Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is oh fucking official. All right, stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Actress, MC, co-signed by Karis One when she was a teenager, hip-hop pioneer. She's Mitchie Me, and I want to welcome her to Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Monaco. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a shame, there's not a day rough like this When me, she's on this mic It's not niceness, those who dismiss so I, I know we want to talk about the new album, but, you know, uh, I always love to ask, you, you know, you're you're known as, you know, the quote is Canada's first notable female MC, right? Uh, so, so, but who were your influences, uh, you know, growing up? And also, were there artists out there that maybe... You know, it, within Canada or within the community that maybe didn't weren't noticeable, quote unquote, Canada's noticeable, notables, but actually had such a profound influence on you and kind of wish they kind of made it. You wish they kind of made it more, but they unfortunately didn't. Absolutely. Well, in the scene in Canada, there was no scene. Like when we actually came on on the scene, there was like a little a little bit of, you know, the parks and the introduction of just block parties and so forth. But there were female MCs that were on sound systems. They weren't necessarily doing songs. When I came into the scene, I was more looking at the Beat Street, at the Debbie Deb, Shaw Rocks, um, and Lisa. We were looking at movies. I was very young, so I wasn't allowed out to at the block parties prior. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of MCs in the scene. But when we actually came on the scene, that's when the battle raps was in. That's when the urban music scene actually formed in Canada. So I didn't have much influences for Canada. I was always in the U.S. Um, prior to the hip hop scene here, due to family and traveling with my high school um, peers. Mm-hmm. And when we were there, we would hang out at Latin quarters, and we would were hanging, living, hanging out in the Bronx, and visiting family there. So we would travel to the scene up the street, whether it was Stardust, whether it was hopping on a train and going to Manhattan. So we were influenced by the Shantae's. We were influenced by the MC Lights, um, Salt and Peppers. Like when it became a little bit mainstream, meeting the underground scene, that's when I was very intuitive and came to Canada. I mean, came came from Canada to the US and was trying to tell them that, you know what, there's some hip hop in Canada, we're Canadian. And nobody would, you know, would really recognize the fact that hip hop was in Canada. They were just intrigued by there was a girl from Canada here and here she is speaking Jamaican. She sounds different, mm-hmm. but her accent's very Jamaican. So it was it was a hard bill, you know, hard bill to sail. <laughs> but it, it definitely uh, it worked out. What, what, I mean, like you just mentioned, I mean, you mentioned you're, uh, you're 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 born in Jamaica. You you know you 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 live you lived in Canada. These there's obviously reggae and and two different styles of music and two different um amazing styles of music and 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 you 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 obviously have this connection and you're you've been drawn to both styles and you hear that in your music so can you like briefly talk about what drew you to reggae and also what what actually drew you to hip-hop and hip-hop culture well the very first album jamaican funk canadian style one side was hip-hop and one side was reggae 
I always wonder if people remember that. So I was always kind of doing both. And that was because I was very influenced. My father was in the, the, the concert promoting scene in Jamaica and was one of the promoters that helped bring the Jackson 5 to Jamaica and Isaac Hayes to Jamaica and all the Motown affiliates to Jamaica. So there was a lot happening there. So my very first stage show, before I came to Canada, I have these pictures um, of me backstage and they were called the Jackson 5 at the time. So what drew me to reggae was my father's being in the business and me just eye-opening seeing performances live on stage and being backstage at a very young age. Coming to Canada and seeing poetry on TV, seeing poetry at my school, um, seeing me writing a lot of poetry in grade eight. My, my teacher was very intrigued by my writing and here we go with this popular song that crossed the border real quick was Rapper's Delight mm -hmm. and that influenced everybody. So it was like, oh my God, they're telling a story about you know, the hood, the streets. And at that time, there was no one that would believe there was street culture in Toronto. And I was coming from a very dance hall Jamaican scene. So the grassroots scene, even in Canada for the hardcore was very dance hall. So that, that I was living in dance hall, but writing hip hop. So I was always in the reggae scene, period. And so that was, you know, it was a, it was a cool thing to be a part of, but not knowing that there was a difference or there was supposed to be a difference or, I just looked at it, it was one scene, but going to New York, that's where I would go to soak up more of the hip-hop. Mm. And in Canada, I'd be all over the dance hall in reggae. <laughs> so when you put me in a booth, they both came out. <laughs> uh, you just mentioned Rapper's Delight, and I know you, you've told the story about how uh, you had the opportunity to listen to that because your mom used to go on trips, and, and she that was one of the, the pieces, of, pieces of music she brought back from her trip. Yep. Um, that's how you know I'm not lying. Same story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What was what was the when when you told your parent or you told your mom you said I want to do this you know I want to do what rappers delight does what was her reaction and then what has kind of been her impact on you in terms of a, as an artist Oh we didn't tell mom mom was at work why tell mom <laughs> why would we tell mom we're doing what grown men do <laughs> and then there's a dance uh, um attached to this call it's called break dancing and i'm going to be doing windmills why would we tell mom <laughs> all of that we waited till mom went to work um it was firecrackers outside all the kids at the rec center would join and be like we're gonna go firecrackers i'd act like i'm making a firecracker i'm going out there to rhyme in the park and battle boys it was crazy so mom had no idea what was going on she only she got wind of it on when much music when i officially had gotten the deal and much music put me on tv and her friends in the the cafeteria i'm sure were like is that your, she looks familiar is that michelle <laughs> <laughs> yes mother and you know auntie squeals on me she's at direct dancing with the boys on the floor i'm gonna tell the same story but yes so you know i didn't tell mom she found out and then, you know, some of the historical pictures that I see of me, it's so funny because I would take her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, you know, you get busted in hindsight because we had no social media. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so it was hilarious to see that. But no, we didn't tell mom. Mom just seen her clothes and me on TV. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and pictures. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you more about uh, the Canadian background, but also and the Jamaican background in the sense that, you, know, you talked to I, I interviewed uh, El Desense of the Artifacts, and he talked, and he's from New Jersey, right? So and he used to talk about how in the early days, like late eighties, early nineties, that they used to kind of hide the fact that they were from New Jersey when they came to New York. Um, Absolutely. Was there ever? I mean, I imagine you coming from Canada. I mean, was, oh, yeah. was there ever that? Did you have to do that move? Did you have to kind of? pretend you and when you went to visit new york for example did you try to hide the fact that you were you know quote unquote out of towners oh well i was jamaican so that made me international so when i was <laughs> nice. in brooklyn i represented brooklyn jamaica when i was in the bronx the bronx jamaica i was in you know queens queens jamaica so the, my common denominator over there was jamaica and then they'd be like where do you live and then i would say canada so it was it's very because they can always tell from the accent but the first thing they thought my canadian accent even sounded jamaican like more jamaican at that time so it was just it was just yeah i always hid behind where it was and it depends because when you travel to the u.s i was actually going to a scene so i would either go to a hip-hop scene directly or i'm going to the dance hall i'd be at biltmore ballroom i'd be at anywhere that i could find any party any any you know the bars that were entertaining music so there was, you know, when I went to a certain scene, the common denominator was always West Indian culture. And then I would try to get on the list, the guest list of all the parties. And yeah, and that was it. 
and I would hang out a lot and drag MC Peaches <laughs> to all the um, my label mate at the time also on first priority. I would drag her to you know to dances with me, and she would always take me and get me into um, the industry parties and swatch. And there was a whole group of of people in the U.S. that was they before they were icons <laughs> were actually still spreading themselves throughout the scene too. Mm. So it was very you know me being a fresh face in the scene, it was easy for them to kind of say, "Come with us." And protect me. So, yeah, so it was a cool, cool upbringing in the scene. It was very protective of out-of-towners, out of but we all hid. We were from out-of-town. <laughs> Everyone wanted to be from New York. Right, right. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> we all know that. I mean, the godfather of hip-hop is Cool Herc, and he's from Jamaica, right? Was there ever, I'm just curious, was there ever any blowback from, how did the Jamaican community embrace you as when you, didn't when not not the Jamaican funk style for you, but the kind of the Canadian style for you. Was there did they embrace it, or was there a little blowback at all from them? No, not at all. Because anybody, a lot of immigrants were here, um, so they knew of the culture. The fact that I was brave enough to put it into music or in a rap battle, like oh my god, no, she didn't. Because hip hop had an accent, so hip hop is very American, and then here I come putting a whole other dialect into it. So Canada knew that was the way that we talked. So every as soon as I did it, it was embraced. That's why my first album, To Be Different in the American Culture, was easiest to do one side reggae and one side um, hip hop. And I got to work with the American, the um, Jamaican greats that ended up producing Mikey Bennett, who went in, and Stephen Stanley. And these people worked with Shabba Ranks, and then he won the first Grammy. So I was a part of a very early team, even in the reggae production area, um, that helped me put my reggae sound together and the Canadian American hip hop is hip hop at an accent sound together and complete a full album. So yeah, it was very relevant in, in the scene. It wasn't seen as deemed as something new, new to the industry, but not new to the hardcore party goers. Cause the way that it, I started doing it was just going to parties and being myself and everybody giving me a mic. Cause they knew, you know, I'm a love mic of one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what's great is that, you know, you, you started, you started your career at the, um, you start performing, I'm sorry, at the age of 14. Um, looking back, do you... I mean, I just imagine what I was doing at the age of 14, which is not much. Uh, do, you, do you think... Is that too early to start a career looking back? Or, I mean, or is it just... Was it at a time where you just had to take... The opportunity came, you had to go with it? Well, you had to go with it because hip-hop wasn't a genre, genre yet. It was, you know, a secret. It was the word. It was a rumor. It was something that was, you know, was intriguing the young people because our parents were having parties that we couldn't go in the other room because we we're playing disco out there and we had to go to bed. So it was, okay, well, now there's this new stuff and these guys are younger and maybe, you know, times are changing and, and there's not as many jobs and these things are being reflected in the music and it's trickling down and crossing the borders and we're telling similar stories. We're not being heard because we do not and did not have an infrastructure. So how dare us tell any of those stories here? So we had to be hardcore fans. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, yeah. I, mean, I mentioned in the intro, uh, you had two incredible cosigns early in your career, which was the legendary Karis One and uh, the late Scott LaRock of uh, Boogie Down Productions. Um, yes. How, well, one, how did you connect with them? But two, w at the time of your connecting with them, what, 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 I guess, what were they to you in terms of what did they mean to you in terms of the, 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 the culture and, and the music? We all knew who BDP was. 
And then the, we see that I met them at Latin Quarters. So that's where I met Scott and Chris. And the story goes, you know, hey, there's this girl, she's saying she can rap. She's from Canada. Ain't she cute? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm cute. <laughs> Want to hear me rap? <laughs> and off I went. And, you know, they're from the Bronx. I'm from to follow everybody home. So it was just, and then they came to Canada. They always wanted to come to Canada because they didn't believe me. So we used to always debate on that because I was like returning to Canada. Probably that was my fly out weekend. And then they came to Canada. So BDP was, like I said, these were friends that I turned into icons. Mm. We were all just, you know, being a part of the culture and trying to tell much music. Like, you know, Scott was on is on much music saying he's a businessman. He He's, you know, he's educated. He's so forth. He, you, you, I'm here because the music is here. And he was explaining to people and there was no, to them, educated. They were, you know, it was such a shock that there was an educated man coming with hip hop and saying he's a record company. That was news at that time. So, you know, these are my friends that were now icons, you know, legends resting in peace. Um, yeah, so it was just, it, we didn't look at it that way. We were really trying to prove that, you know, they need a category for this. Run for, uh, run for, run for cover produced by Scott Rock and Karis One uh, from Break It Out compilation. Uh, you listen to it then and you listen to it now and it's just like such a you know this this great and obvious like BDT, bdp influence on it but also the regular influence as well do you think these kind of influences if you look at today's hip-hop is are missing in terms of i guess you know what it meant to have this type of sound on on a record I wouldn't say anything is missing because there's so much options. It just depends on what rises to the top and what we see. Because I think it's all there. There's so many pieces of hip-hop now. There's so many generations of it. There are no missing pieces. It's just who's putting it out, who the fans and people that are consuming music are listening to. So in terms in terms of what's now, I think the kids just like what they like. Then, you know, you like what you like in hip-hop because not everybody liked the same kind of hip-hop. Even when we were growing up, everyone had a different style of voice. Um, there was a time when, you know, if you liked NWA, could you like BDP? It was like totally, totally different, but you, we consumed it all, especially being Canadians. We were just like, oh my God, there is a difference and that's okay. Now there's so much similarities. It would seem like something is missing. I just think in terms of what's popular is how you could filter out things as deemed missing, but, um, it's all there. I just think whoever is on that level of magnifying the scene would, um, magnify something else or you know or if, or if the consumers gravitated to it more we would see it more mm -hmm. but in terms of missing i do think every element of hip-hop is being done across the board across the world um it's a new time now so we will see there's there's many generations involved in hip-hop it's not just one generational no more so just seeing hip-hop grow up is is just a great great thing to see so i think whatever is is considered being missing um you're going to see in the elders because um some of it it, it can't leave it, it hasn't come out of us yet as artists so we're back <laughs> we're back you look at your career and you think about the cosigns you think about uh the, your debut album you think about just you just now talking about hip-hop and hip-hop culture and then and then you continue to look at your career and then you get to uh uh, uh, Ragged Death. Uh, yeah. How did how, how did I mean? I think I listened to it and I think it's it's great as well. And how did that come to be? Like, how did you go from from uh, Jamaican funk and Canadian style to that? <laughs> well, before that, I went to um, makeup art school and I wanted to, you know, you was got to find a job, got to do whatever. So I off I went to get a grant to do an, my OSA and do my uh, my my school loan and my makeup art and be a makeup artist and I'm going to help all the urban artists look cute on TV. And down the street was a studio, Wellesley Studio, and that's where uh, myself and Light recorded when we were here in Toronto. And there was a, uh, an engineer, Walter, there, and Walter called Steve. Steve was here from England and they were putting a band together um, with Paul Raven, may he rest in peace, and they wanted a female, well, they wanted a rapper, period, um, on rock punk stuff and it had a lot of reggae and scat to it mm. and they had a lot of people come to the studio and I just happened to be one of them and the singles that I wrote they gravitated to and then I would call on another writer um, Specs from Dream Warriors came in and helped the, the project and off we went and by the time I looked we were three albums deep and I was the main singer on the singles but we had like three or four vocalists that would be in the band when we performed live they would call us spinal tap but we went to the uk there were so many of us <laughs> and we were so crazy <laughs> 
Yeah, there was you know, a couple other vocalists too on the other tracks. The singles that, that people gravitated to was the ones that I was on. So it was one of the coolest experiments, especially live, was uh, refreshing. And I got to go on a lot of punk rock tours in Canada here with Biff Naked and SNFU were punk rock bands. So that was an experiment that shocked everybody. <laughs> what, did, what, did, what did that allow you to do? What did the rock music or the punk rock music allow you to do uh, that hip hop? Uh, kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know if "confined" is the right word, but kind of, I, I don't know. Maybe limited you in terms of writing, or in terms of uh, even a live performance. Well, it let me find the routes in Canada. <laughs> I got to know that there was other places you could perform, and those pockets loved hip hop too. So that's one thing that I got. And by the time the tour was over anybody that was into scour rock and roll was doing hip-hop moves and i was jumping up and down like a rock person a rock head. so i was like well not a rock a rock person <laughs> watch for words <laughs> yeah i was rock and rolling like a hardcore rock fan and you know what i mean and and the, the hip the rock fans were jumping up and down like hip-hop so it was it was nice it was a nice you know it was refreshing i mean no one knew what to expect but everyone wanted to be there and be a part of it mm. uh you know i think as a uh as a as an american who who loves music and who like in the in the 90s went through this phase of if it was on the radio i couldn't stand listening to it uh mm-hmm. type thing and obviously that's where i like get underground and then you get to listen to black star and all those guys but you 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 you, you uh, there was a hope that there would always be these artists that you loved you would hear on the radio and then you know prior to doing research for this interview uh, uh and i come across the 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 canadian radio and tv law about 35 percent of canadian artists had to be played on the airwaves because i know there was a time that it was like british british and american artists were being or music were being dominated on on the canadian airwaves which is obviously unfair to canadian artists um can can you talk about kind of that uh that law a little bit and why it came to be then also in your mind how do you think that helped and how do you think maybe even hurt some of the canadian artists well, I don't even think they, the fact that they had to put a number on it was that they didn't believe there was a lot of us here to actually form a scene. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable because the genre was new. So that's part of the growing pains that we had. So it helped us when you, you knew that you had to be placed. So you had to qualify at least to recording levels as worldwide music to be played and to be recognized. So it, it made artists kind of bring their their level to level up and just kind of get their production together get their teams together and and for help form an infrastructure here Mm -hmm. it hurt us because we still don't get radio no matter what the number is it it would have been 17 percent being played Mm. it made it gave us a seat at the table but wasn't fulfilling because we couldn't fix the other things to get us to the table so there's there's many ways to look at it like it didn't it didn't hurt but it didn't help Mm -hmm. We it was just a number to some. It didn't make sense because we still didn't have the marketing money in terms of independent artists to put music to fulfill that percentage on radio. Mm-hmm. So it, to a lot of people, it was just numbers. We were still just creating the art, art and the art form in the genre. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you think, I mean, you know, there's obviously the... the the popularity of someone like Drake, do you think, uh, I know that it doesn't sound like the laws were helpful at all, but do you think even someone like the popularity of Drake, does that even kind of make the laws, I guess, a little less impactful because now you have Drake on the radio. So it's, it just covers that anyway. Well, Drake brought radio home to Canada. 
That's what he did. He let it, you know, he let every the world know that there's artists that qualify for radio from Canada. So, so it's just like if you invest in the right artists, you will get results. And he just continued to grow. So he he added to the fact that, yeah, there's some pretty talented people here. And whether they go through Jake Drake or not, it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. And I, I'm glad he brought radio here. He brought the world's eyes on radio, streaming, um, anything, the the marketing, the um, the young black men, the um, the scene here, the what's going on here, how does it relate to cash money in New Orleans, how the two cultures get together, money. Um, he, you know, just seeing everything we got to see through Drake's growth. Mm, so um, I wanted to take you to a, a Sound Academy in Toronto on September 2nd, 2012. Uh, you're invited on stage with Maestro Shresh Rest by Public Enemy. Um, <laughs> can you talk about that night? But also, uh, I only got to watch it through a YouTube video. But uh, what is it? What, what has PE meant for you as an artist and on your career? Oh, the lifesavers? <laughs> <laughs> the original lifesavers? Uh, PE is just a treasure in itself. Um, the mentorship, the guidance, um, everything about the ability. I remember that show. I had gotten a call. The maestro called me and said, are you going to this show? Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm coming. All right. Put your name on the list. And then down we went. And then Chuck calls us on stage. And the rest is history. Maestro blew the crowd away because he was rapping about one of our mayors that was doing naughty stuff. And... May he rest in peace. But, you know, there was a lot going on in the scene. So it was P.E. just no matter where I'm at in my career, I always seemed to, you know, lend that hand to all of us and just never forgets the foundation of Canadian hip hop, like the maestros and mishis, um, never leaves us out, whether we're in the arena, whether we have projects that has dropped and we want collabo, we want mentorship, we want to open up for the show. They always have a way of making sure that the foundation artists in Canada are taken care of. So I love my PE. Mm, I love my S1Ws, no matter what they are and what they do, they they just love me right back. That's awesome. Uh, so the next question I'm going to ask you is, and, 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 and I'm going to list female artists, but I'm not necessarily asking, you don't have to respond saying, oh, you don't have to <laughs> respond about with more female artists' name. You could also, of course, please say male artists. Uh, and and this, yeah, this will make sense to you after I ask you the question. <laughs> uh, <Cool>. So <laughs> listen to your music. Um, and I was texting... Um, uh, flatline this as this was happening but i was like oh she sounds <laughs> i was like she sounds like i mean no, i was like artists i hear when i when i hear um michi i hear uh miss dynamite lauren hill rhapsody sir rock um and i was like wow she's <laughs> nice. she's influenced and i was like she's influenced a lot of them and i think that's the conversation that we always fail to have is when we do like top 10 oh. artists we always fail to have we like to say an artist but then we forget to mention who obviously influenced them um, mm. When you hear those artists, uh, who do you hear? Like, who do you think? I guess who do you who do you hear uh, in terms of influences, whether they're uh, other female artists or, or even male or male artists? When I hear the artists that you mentioned, yeah. Oh man, I love them all. I'm just glad that they're all different. Yeah, definitely. They, you can you and, and we needed that in the female light. Like we needed that. Um, who do I hear that sounds similar to me, or who influenced me that I sound like, or? Who do I hear in me, or who do I? What do I, I, I guess I guess who? Yeah, I mean that's good. Who do you hear in yourself, and then who do you think? Who do you hear in other artists that? Um, well, anybody who knows me knows my favorite artist is Roxanne Shante. Okay, I just love Shani. Um, I mean, Badia's Revenge is is based on my favorite records, Roxanne's Revenge. That's awesome. <laughs> um, that's I threw it out there just as you know, people like, oh my god, who are you revenging? Who do you think? <laughs> I'm like, ah, <laughs> you don't know hip hop. So, you know, and I brought it back to a powerful female MC. I love my salt and pepper because they were the performance queens. Um, and Lauren Hill, you just can't leave out. You know what I mean? She just brought that roots and culture that is just always embedded in me, period. She's even influenced me to even want to bring it out more, you know, just because them trouble Lauren. Where the trouble Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> so I love my Lauren Hill. I love my Foxy Brown. I love my little Kim. Little Kim is like the badness. Mm -hmm. Foxy's the badness, the realness, the hardcore. And, you know, and my MC Light, you can't leave out Light. That's a general. That's who I was on the road with when I was out there in First Priority, with First Priority. So a lot of my Golden Era sisters, Latifah just always had my back. So she has this 
it's more of her moniker is is who I look up to and look you know along I'm just so proud of her um yeah so those are my down but you know you can't leave out the sister nancy's i love my sister nancy's you can't leave out my lady Anne's, my my you know my the hardcore the back in the days mcs the lady g's they're the ones that also had the influences from canada the carla marshalls um just the dance hall girls that were out at the time um maca diamond at that time was lady mackerel um lady p sister charmaine may she rest in peace who has recently passed just recently um so those were the artists that i would see on um on the stage and really really perform and and, and add my hip-hop element to it mm, that's so um i was listening i was listening to the and watching the video of uh of a bad gals uh bubble uh mm-hmm. and it's a track that you simply just destroy uh, <laughs> thank you it's just like it's it's it's, it's and the video the video is also you know the video is just as powerful as you know um and i what i really love about it and it's obviously not the first time you do this but and you, is the switching up styles in between the track um mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you plan that out <laughs> how do you plan in terms of like going from hip-hop to dancehall reggae and and just knowing and knowing and knowing what lyrics call for what you know what? Sometimes I I don't. It's 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 a lot of freestyle energy. Sometimes it's very in the moment, um, but it depends. I'm telling a story, so when you're telling a story and you get to the high point of the pivotal moment in that story, sometimes it's frustrating and and the more anger or the more I'm in the battle mode, I'm gonna the accent comes out. <laughs> it's like when you you know you go back to your native tongue when you're pissed. So I stay pissed a lot in the reg- in the dance hall, and and use it more on the battle element. Um, so it's, it's, it depends on the story I'm telling, where the accent comes in, and what is you know what's running the road now in terms of things that people are saying, and it's usually there's always some slang, so you can always just interject interject your slang when you're you know you're describing the moment or you know letting someone have it, letting somebody know what time it is, and it doesn't always have to be aggressive, it doesn't have to be the badness all the time, but you know that's that's the fun part in it. That's when you know people listen to it is when you're being that aggressive dancehall. You know, dance hall has that energy. So yeah, so it's it kind of depends on the story you're telling, and how comes the accent. <laughs> and <laughs> so 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 that's the, and, and so if sometimes it is just kind of spur of the moment or freestyle. How, how does the absolutely how does the production work then? <laughs> I oh, mean, the pro- they're on their own. They send, me the <laughs> <laughs> they send me the beat and turn on the mic, and you know, I would just take it from there. So once I get the beat, once I get in the zone, once I ready up, it's a whole other thing. You have to just read them up and just let me go. So I really just just really enjoy telling a story. So it depends on the moment in the story. You know, falling in love, falling out of love, pissed off at love, mad at him, mad at her, pissed off at the industry. Whose fault is it? And, you know, you just give it to them. Right. So uh, let's turn to the new album, uh, Bad Girls. Yes. Bad Girls Revenge. You know, told me the significance of the title, but I wanted to ask you about the first, not not the first track with Chuck D on it, but the first track, uh, Forgot About Me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that beat just kind of creeps up on you. And then, <laughs> yes. and I, you know, as and, and as I mentioned, it's kind of um, as I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, and for some reason, it reminded me of like a lullaby kind of beat. Yes, in a weird, maybe <laughs> sick way. I don't know. Can you, scary movie way. Scary yeah. movie way. Yes, I see dead people. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> Did you forget about me? <laughs> you know, yeah, like a you know a Freddy Krueger lullaby way. Yes, uh, <laughs> awakening. Come here, children. <laughs> you think it's a story, and then I say, well, you know, starts swearing in the chorus. Right. <laughs> it's like very, very, very Jean Grey. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, so I love her too. Oh, she's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Could you could you talk about this uh, this this track kind of being the especially uh, being the opening track of, of the album? Yes. Um, well, I you know truly thought and sometimes believe the whole world forgot about me. So it's just kind of letting everyone know this is the reasons and you know this is what happened. I mean, look at me. Imagine what they did to your dad, kind of stuff. So it was kind of telling a bit of every story. Um, in point form over a storytelling beat and just having all the melodies as produced by Snaz. He's one of the top producers here. He produced a lot of, he's Drake's friend. He produced a lot of his early stuff. 
I'm going to make that link because he always tells me that. And they're from the Western Road crew and when they were little. Um, and that story and Jane South. So, you know, there's a lot of, it's just him being able to bring it out of me. He's got, he's, I've got recorded a lot more songs with him that are, have the same element that we didn't get on the album that we have on future projects that he's a really good producer and he has stuff that are total opposite of that. So the fact that that track was the one that made me tell that story was deep and I had to tell it and it just fit it was fitting for that first track on the record after truck I was like they forgot about me here you got truck introducing me and I'm like but they forgot about me Chuck <laughs> yeah so I thought it fit was fitting to go right there on the album first track forgot about Mish was that the first track you wrote for the album or no no it was just that when you hear the whole body of work and I put it together, it made sense because the whole album that I rant about my career, my going through this and going through that and, you know, just how artists tell their stories. That was the first one that hit me the hardest and saying, well, maybe they don't even know who I'm at. Let me tell them why they forgot about Mish and how they forgot about Mish or how I feel that they forgot about Mish right after the intro. Yeah. So it was fitting. And it was a storytelling. It was the, in- it was the intro that an intro that I liked and yeah, slow creep, creeper, the creeper. Uh, I'm going to church up around a little bit, but you know, you, you, you talk about this track, forgot about Mitchell, then you, then on, on the track, uh, on, on times change, you spit and it's only, only five words, no, six words. I know how to count. It's I'm not mad anymore. I've, I've matured. Yeah. You know, what are you, what do you, what is the reference there? I mean, what is the, what is that moment that you realize that That's didn't make sense to-, to be mad? It doesn't. And, and that's the immature part of the artist in the business because we're such artists, we're such creatives, you know, we're such like, you know, as soon as you do it, we're like, does the world see it yet? You know, we're such, and now, I geez, I can imagine this younger generation when they're like, they, they truly believe as they, as they do it and post it, it's worldwide. Right, okay, so, yeah. yeah, so my mental was getting used to this. They totally are entitled in their mind to it getting out. So it was me talking to myself and saying, times change, you know, change gonna come. No matter where you come from, it, it has to change at some point, even if you can't change where you come from. Well, you know the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, check it out on the record. But yeah, it's, it's, I've matured. You have to mature. And it's, it's about time hip hop matured. And, and it's about time we see the maturity in hip hop on a mass level. Like, I need to see the elders come out and do some music. Um, rock and roll doesn't die reggae music dance hall doesn't die the elder artists they just go on older tours um, hip hop is maturing now all the elder females that we spoke about today all the younger ones all of us we have stories to tell you know we need some premenopausal stories <laughs> <laughs> you need to hear the ladies with the attitudes when they're mature right. different hormones <laughs> they're all there <laughs> well, it's also like you can't you can't you can't be you know I'm 40 two i think i'm 42 Ooh, uh you baby uh, i know right uh, but it's like you can't be like <laughs> my little brother's face i love you guys <laughs> you can't be you like think i knew all the time <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. no but you know it's a point where like you you can't um you can't as a 42 year old i'm not relating to anything a 20 year old it's like i'm gonna go out for drinks with a friend tonight i am probably gonna be back in bed by nine o'clock at night you know like so like it's true so, it's like all right so i'm you know i i don't and also it's like i don't like if i'm listening to like a 50 year old dude talk about getting all these girls at clubs i'm like i don't believe you you know <laughs> yeah i know right you're like uh-uh, I've been uh, here i before. don't think that's uh-uh. true yeah yeah like unless you're like anyway actually i want to ask you about before we talk a little bit more about the record um you know you we're both at this time, right? Where we, you know, we used to buy cassette tapes as kids. We used to, you know, a, a record was made. You had to wait another year until the another, maybe at least a year until the or artist made another record. Um, but now we're obviously in this culture where you make a record and the next question is, so what's next? You know, what, where do you see yourself in terms of like, what's the... What's the major change for you from your first record to this one, but also your approach to the business side of it? Oh, definitely more in charge. No more taking advantage of me um, to the best of my ability. You, you're naive coming into the game, and worse, you're you know the first in the structures building built around you. It's terrifying, especially in hindsight. It's like, oh my god, it's evil. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's just like you know, I find my sense of humor real quick. And I'm truly an artist that appreciates the art, so it's hard to make the business mess with the art. And that's what I learned real quick. Um, 
and that's my piece. My piece is in my art. So looking forward, um, you, I hired really cool people that I've known over the years. I've seen their work, so I know more of their resume more and all their prerequisites. I know everything about them in terms of the work mode and where I want to be. So you get to make better choices. You get to um, see things a lot clearer. So there is, that's why I say we need, you know, we need older artists too. It's not to like just, you know, poop on all the things that happened back in the day. Right. Um, it's, it's to show growth. It's to show that, you know, not everyone knew what they were doing. This is a very early time in the era when I came out. So now you just kind of, you know, you, you just get smarter and you want to help other people. You want to help those not go through the same pain or the same journey or the same or enjoy the joy to the fullest and understand that that's a happy day. Right, right. <laughs> you know, not everything is, is bad. These little entitled kids will think like, yo, did you not giving me that? No, you got to work. And some of them work so hard and wonder, well, where's my? No, that's well done, but you got to do this. So there's levels to this, and there's a reason that's that's real. There's levels to this. So yeah, it's just a, it's a it it was a lot of growing pains, but I'm glad that I'm at the age now where I can actually still do it, <laughs> and still be relevant, and still kind of instead of selling my songs, do them myself. Mm -hmm. I think that's you know a lot of people get older in the industry and want to sell songs, and I'm like, nah, I can still record them. Can I just do it? <laughs> but um, the writing doesn't go away, so. I'm looking forward to writing for others in the future. Mm, that's so. Uh, yeah, and uh, what's 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 incredible is that you not just reading up about you, but even in the song, even willing and able, you 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 show that you have this really vast array of influences, and not just hip hop influences. Where you mentioned PE, but you also talk about Sade, you talk about Neil Diamond, you talk about Celine Dion. Um, yes. Can you kind of talk about? Uh, you've already talked about PE, but talk about how. Sade and you know and Celine Dion and Anne Murray and Anne Murray it's just, <laughs> just like also it's also it also speaks to more about you also came up at the time and you mentioned this earlier that hip hop wasn't popular you you know you didn't no. know where it was gonna go and now hip hop is popular so you actually have people who grow up who are influenced by rappers versus you yes, being more influenced, being influenced by, by my Neil Diamond my Neil Diamond <laughs> and my Anne Murray okay <laughs> I love my Neil Diamond and Anne Murray. So back off, kids. It was what was being played in the house. It was it was what was you know brought peace at home. And we knew this came on, and you're like, everybody gotta be quiet. Or you know, there's mom's throwing down her mixing digital skills. <laughs> so before digital skills, it was it would felt digital because <laughs> like it's a whole different switch. So yeah, it went from gospel to, you know, from Mahalia Jackson and Murray real quick. So there's a lot of things that, just like, you know, Western movies influenced the Caribbean a whole, if you go to, you know, specifically Jamaica, everyone's got a Western a Western channel. They love uh, cowboy movies back then. So it went with the music. Country music was big in our house. Conway Twitty um, was very big in our house. So those are the things that influenced us. So when it became a storytelling moment for me, I had a lot of things to gravitate to to pull from that could influence me and I wanted to reflect that on this album saying this was what was mainstream so this is what made you know created where we came from and it may not be so much um accepted as in the, in the South Bronx but it was it was what was in Canada and on radio and when Celine Dion came out you I mean I think Sony shut down every, everything and only made Celine Dion <laughs> records so that was a moment for us in Canada so yeah so these were my influences and I wanted to to name drop those things instead of you know name name dropping to um everything else and I did a bit of it in Women Get It From in the Jamaican when when I went back and listed uh some some women in reggae music and all of that on this bad gal revenge album it was just me letting off where i'm from and what i've been through all my influence in in terms of dialect to open up to other women in the world that you can be from anywhere you can have any influence and you can make an album and you could be any age so bad gal's revenge I want to ask you quickly about a, a way you get it from. It's it's, it's a dancehall reggae track. Um, um, what is the and it's just that's what it is. It's like there's no it's, you don't switch up. In it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the what's the significance of delivering it uh, the track for this particular for for this message in all reggae versus Good saying hey can I just hip hop. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like I kept switching it up back and forth, and I would always have people say, why aren't you doing a dance album? 
do do a rock album, do a hip, do all mesh, and they wanted me to do a dancehall record through. So this was my one my my one little you know I said let me throw let let the world see that I can do it, um, and I wanted it to be as as the production to not overbear me and let you hear a the influences I just mentioned. I wanted to name drop. And I wanted them to hear that I could just, my audience to hear that I could do deliver in full dancehall. And there's a lot more dancehall. I haven't really let that go yet. But, you know, I'm just watching and seeing. And I and I, I feel good with my writing. So, mm. And I know this is a world where everyone's getting, especially in the West, you get a lot of help with the writing and the rig. But I'm glad to, I'm proud to say I'm still a full, full writer. On, on my stuff and I haven't gotten that either that privilege or had that opportunity to have somebody write my stories as good as I do yet so I look forward to you know but I am the writer <laughs> I have a few more questions uh, looking back at uh, the music you've done so far in your career is there a particular track that you kind of you in hindsight you kind of wish you you wish you could have I guess delivered it in 2021 um for the people well there was tracks i put on here that definitely people didn't know i had what you're talking about for a minute i have another bonus track i'm putting on the cd um that's rock i have a lot of rock and roll in me mm. so it was even at the time when we did the rock and roll we were like no one's ready for that and no one i didn't think anybody wanted me to do i don't know just just a lot of the mixing the rock with the dance hall all on one record right like doing this album is like why are you putting it's a mixtape and nah, i could have made i wanted it to be a mixtape it was like what it is an album so i got tired of you know the titles <laughs> so this was was is a very good example of me putting out tracks that the time is now mm. uh, i want to ask you this last question it's it's based i think uh, a lot of times our uh weirdly our <laughs> career choices weirdly help us sometimes with parenthood uh because we deal with crazy people and we're like, yes, kids are just as crazy. Um, so <laughs> you're, you're, you know, so let's say you're a hip hop pioneer, dance, dancer, regular lover, radio, TV, personality, actor, mm -hmm. author, mentor. So besides mm -hmm. motherhood, how did, how did any of these hats help prepare you for motherhood? Oh man, my acting class was great. <laughs> I knew how to come home and I'm like, I'm dad. No, I'm mom. No, I'm grandma. Damn it. You listen to me. So my acting classes were great. Um, stage performance um, was a release. You go home, you're tired. You only want love and your loved ones around you. Hmm. So it all helped me prepare. It definitely did. And, and being a mother was the core of it because that helped me find patience. Mm. Um, and it, and it helped me commit. It helped me, um, focus, you know, grounded me like you can go. No, you can't. It really, it, it, it's the, it's the embodiment of being a woman. That's why when I actually see the female in season, they're not afraid to have their babies anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where you will see MCs were not trying to have female MCs. were not trying to have kids. It was really a choice. Um, when there was only a few of us, I had children early back then, and we were damn near the outcasts at one point, <laughs> you know, or felt like we were. So the the parenting now being a part of the culture or being accepted and talked about and interviewed and Instagrammed and everyone's got a page, you got a page, I got a, it, it's it's definitely encouraging that you can be a parent and do your job and do and it, it ground it 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 helped and you know i'm not telling anybody go out there and make babies right. <laughs> i mean find your time find the right person find a mate for god's sake but um but um other than that it really helps me mature and grounded and you know there's always someone else watching mm. there's always someone else watching and and that what you know i never wanted to embarrass my child so that kind of helped me grow up real quick right yeah it's, it's interesting the uh the, the the parenting part of you know you of, of musicians when you actually talk to them about being parents and they're just like they're giving you like the best parenting advice in the world and you and you just it throws you back and you're like I just know you from your albums and, and you're this amazing parent um, so that's, that's <laughs> right? really cool and and then to speak to speak to your point I mean you realize how powerful you know the lyrics of um, when Lauren Hill and Zion talks about oh. how the pressure to not have Jeez. a baby you know and you realize because that that pressure is real. Um, yeah, and, I think and, all half her streams are from me. <laughs> <laughs> all those using me, Lauren. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Zion was my track. That was great. Oh my god, <laughs> felt it. I felt it. Uh, yeah. what, uh, so the very last question, uh, Michi. I, yes. I do. I do appreciate your time for this. Um, this album. If you were to take, you if you would take a track that you would think you're kind of your go-to song for this album, where is there one particular track that you just kind of, you know, sit back and just play? Oh man, that's a hard one. I, you know, I start at the top and go all the way down and it depends on my mood. There'll be a time where I just want to hear Made It. There'll be a time where I only want to hear Willing and Able. There's a time where I would just want to sit in dark and hear Forgot About Mish. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a time where I'm getting dressed to put on makeup. I want to hear, when they get to from, I'm just having to get from, and you know, I'm getting ready for the, anywhere for the living room um, <laughs> to, to zoom <laughs> when, when i'm getting my zoom action going you know i will play and there's times where i just want to just you know disturb my neighbors and play what you're talking about <laughs> so so there's there's I, I mean my album is fully me if you know like i hope everyone gets to know me and stay tuned for me um yes it, it's fully my it embodies who i am all around and i'm looking forward to share i have three videos in the can that we shot before covid and the beauty of it was we uh, some of these places have been shut down so they're we've immortalized them <laughs> so oh, it's um yeah we're sharing sharing the story their stories with them with my stories and our stories so yeah so we i look forward to sharing the content we've got like three hot videos coming out i'm sharing to make three more and and keep it coming Michimi, Bad Gals Revenge. Stay yes. tuned. Hip Hop Pioneer, Michimi, uh, thank you so much for being on Library Rap, the Hip Hop Interviews with Tim Heineke. I greatly appreciate this. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, man. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.